0: Who the bloody hell's that? What age! Oh Anthony! How are you? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little No, it's fine. be
1: fine, yeah. I'm gonna embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I'm gonna put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on.
0: You should we'll indeed. The-
1: You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth.
0: I've got to book an eye test. Oh, why? I'm, I'm overdue. A, I'm, are you struggling to see me? No, no. I'm just uh, overdue. Thank God for small What mercy. do you need
1: your glasses for? Is it is it for reading or is because you wear le- lenses as well, don't you?
0: Oh, yeah, I wear a curious combination of lenses. I have, um, I have a bifocal in one eye, which is focused on infinity and about a meter and a half away. And then mm-hmm. I have a, um, a straight one, as it were, in the other eye, which is focused on a meter and a half away. So. So why, why do you need infinity in the other one then? Because my eyesight's not great at infinity either. It just needs pulling in an absolute net at infinity, Um, which the bifocal seems to do. I tried both bifocals in both eyes. It just made me feel funny. So then I did a lot of experimenting at the beginning. So this combo was the best one. So... I can see, you know, I can, hang on. If I turn the brightness up, that level, I can see you perfectly well at about a metre, right? right? I can see infinity well because of the bifocal. Um, but if I hold a book up to read here, I sort of I struggle a bit. So I need uh, plus ones, uh, really, plus one readers just for reading a book.
1: Right, and they're they're home bargains plus ones, aren't yeah. they? They're not prescription, they're N- just
0: No, anything'll do. I've right. got some prescription specs. Um but they they are for if I haven't got lenses in. Right. And to be honest, they although they cost hundreds of pounds, I think I've worn them about twice because I very rarely don't have my lenses in. I only don't have my lenses in when I've gone to bed and then the and then the expensive prescription prescription ones are the wrong way up because um i have
1: started something here I, I?
0: because when I'm lying down I'm looking I'm looking through the reedy bit of it the, cuz they're very focals and when I'm lying down, I'm looking through the reedy bit, which is no good because I'm watching the telly, so I can't see it. If I put them right. on upside down like Dennis Taylor, remember him. <laughs> I do remember him. Uh, then...
1: Snooker, <laughs> the... loopy. Yeah, go on, carry on. Then,
0: then the telly's sort of all right. <laughs> right. Right, so you clearly don't read in bed then. I do, and when I read in bed, I've got a pair of... Um... Plus threes by the bed and a pair of plus ones. So I have to put a pair of plus ones on to watch the telly, and a pair of and I have to take them off and put the plus threes on if I want to read.
1: Right, and you strike me as a man who's got a pair of plus fours, just anyway, in your wardrobe.
0: Oh no, I don't possess a pair of plus fours because I've never done a lot of golfing.
1: Right, yeah, but I would have just seen you in a pair anyway,
0: (laughs) just for the crack, just for the crack. (laughs) I have got a pair of awful shoes that Lynetta doesn't like. Uh, that are um, they've they've actually got a, a tweed pattern on them. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You, what size are your feet? Mine. Yeah. Oh, we're in
1: we're in different. We've put our Crocs side by side. We're in different territories. In I'm different,
0: eleven. Oh fuck no! I, I can't let you have them then. But I, it wouldn't break Lynetta's heart if I gave them away. She thinks they're hideous. It would just break my feet. It would definitely break your feet. You'd have to cut the toes off and have your your toes hanging out, (laughs) which would ruin the look. Yes, like a pair of tweed sandals. (laughs) Tweed sandals for the future, man. I think that's a
1: thing now. I've been wondering what you and I are yeah. going to do next. And I think maybe some form of fashion brand. So maybe yeah. Tweed Sandals is the way.
0: We're all done with lobster bibs. We're on Tweed Sandals, folks. Tweed Sandals next. Yeah. What are these on the days? subject of Crocs. Yeah. Because th- that's all the kids are wearing now. Oh, are they back in? They're Have, so back in, having been an object of ridicule for a while. Only absolutely, only old farts wear them. The kids are all in crocs, are they?
1: And they've they've adopted pastel colours. So Josh has a pair in like a turquoise. Oh, and his mate Kip has a pair in white.
0: Oh, oh like like a like a brain surgeon.
1: <laughs> like a brain surgeon, yeah, right. uh, yeah. Because they carried on in hospitals, didn't they? They never, they never flagged in hospitals. They've
0: always worn those kind of white ones, haven't they? For yeah, for operations. But, but the big thing now is the gibbets. So, well, a good thing about a pair of white crocs regarding an operation. It's very hard to leave one inside someone. But carry on. What, what's that about <laughs> gibbets? <laughs> gibbets. It's all about the gibbets now. <laughs> I thought that was something you hung people from. No,
1: no, no, no. no, Ah. no. So a gibbet, that's those little kind of badge things that they stick in the crocs. Oh, I see. So like Disney characters and numbers and various cartoony things. They're called gibbets. And emojis, they're called gibbets.
0: I'd have thought they'd call them crockets, but there we are. Or even croquettes. Yeah, well, croquettes, if they were made out of potato... Well, that would be all right.
1: <laughs> They're not going to last, are they? Gibbets. They're not going to stand one bit of bad weather. Gibbets is a bit dark,
0: I find. It is you a know. bit dark, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was what you prepared a, a hangman's noose on in my yeah. head.
1: And it's only a single L away from being a giblet.
0: Mr. Happy-go-lucky. It is, it's only giblets Now, Giblets on your crocs... Might, you know, especially on a, a white pair of crocs. That well, probably, we're back to hospital again, yeah, aren't we? say, it probably happens occasionally, doesn't it? As you <laughs> throw something <laughs> over your shoulder. <laughs> anyway, shall we start? <laughs> yeah, I've started. This is well, no, 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 I've started this, as well, this but is I mean, gold this is, me. this, this it's is, all it's, As preambles go. The, the other thing
1: is, the. But it's like this is a well-oiled joined together crocheted machine. This because <laughs> we're going to come back. We're going to come back to your contact lenses.
0: Oh well, well let's.
1: Um, and you you're not even aware, are you? Uh, no. Of all the planning that's gone on in the background, when it all comes together,
0: as a general statement, I'm not aware. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to rise like something Mary Berry's made.
0: Oh, from the ashes. Well, she no. Does, well, no. She doesn't smoke, does she? Does she smoke? I can imagine Mary with the fag on. Oh, I could actually. <laughs> oh, and a, and a, and a, what was
1: it? Ginger wine. <laughs> was it ginger wine in the little green bottles? Rose
0: from Mary Berry's ashes. Um. Yes, it was. Yeah, uh, crab crabbies. crabbies, crabbies ginger wine. There was another. Uh, there were two. There was crabbies. And the other one that I can't remember. And the other one. Mm. And then you'd right. have Answers wh- on a postcard. what is Whiskey Macs you'd have, wouldn't you? You'd have whiskey. Have you had a Mc- Whiskey Mac? Oh, is that is that a ginger a ginger wine and a, and whiskey. And a whiskey? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, whiskey and oh, ginger yeah. wine is a whiskey mac and you sometimes have that in this in the winter on a cold day. Alright.
1: Oh. Mm. And Mary Berries. <laughs> that's what we're imagining. <laughs>
0: With a fag on. And a Mackerson. <laughs> yeah, and a Mackerson. <laughs> can you still get that? Mac? I'm sure yeah, you this can. This is just a homage to the 70s, this bloody podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Just... <laughs> She's in a green
1: room somewhere saying, I am not making another fucking cake yeah, until somebody brings me a Maccasin uh, and a pack of woodbines. A pack
0: of woodbines. And I'm taking this bloody furniture with me when I go in a Grace Jones styley. Told you that story, didn't I? You can shove your doily. <laughs> what? <laughs> did I tell you that story about Grace Jones taking everything out of the green room? No, I don't think you did. Oh, she was on. I, I have it on good authority from a BBC producer who I happen to know um, that uh, Grace Jones can't. I, I might have been the Russell Harty, I really hope it was. But uh, oh, did a little involuntary snort there. Uh, we'll edit that out. Um, oh, but Grace Jones came and did this chat show and then left again and then they went in the green room after she'd gone and it was empty not just empty of, you know, the drinks and the little bits of things on sticks that they put in green rooms for artists but the furniture, the pictures off the walls everything had gone She Grace decided it was hers and loaded it into a van Grace and favour. <laughs> yes,
1: that's a big favour. That's a big, <laughs> big favour. You've you just prompted me on something we're never going to get started with. <laughs> <What? laughs> Which has just prompted something else, actually. So, I've obviously, I've had the good fortune to be backstage with you on a number of occasions, right? <laughs> yes. And and you've um, never stolen
0: a sofa, have you? In, and I just have time.
1: never, ever no. stolen
0: a... There's been a lot of sofas I wouldn't Ooh. even want to sit Kudos, on, but anyway. Uh, the one in the cavern club, oh, Christ. Anyway, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. So,
1: and there's, there's occasionally food out and my question is when is that food originally laid out because you just said about things on sticks by by about 11 mm. it it
0: it looks it you are taking your life in your hands aren't you you are with some of it yeah i mean it it tends to go out there uh, let me just think they put a few bits out for sound check about 4 and then and then um when we get back to do the show it's usually all all out there um and nobody ever eats it, um, no. you know. Um, anyway, I'm not. I'm not going to start, Anthony. I'm not going to start. But you'd, a, be a, you'd be you'd be as happy with, with the tuba
1: Pringles and a few celebrations, wouldn't you?
0: Uh, I'd be happy with um, what do I, what do I eat? I mean, I'd be. In heaven with a coronation chicken sandwich, but we never have those because it's never occurred to me to put it on the rider. If if I asked, they'd be there, but it's just I've just never got round to it. Um, but yeah, and a bit of sushi. Ooh. Ooh.
1: But that's but, but out for hours. Do you really want that kind of stuff out for hours? No, well,
0: you, there's usually a fridge or a chiller or something no. in there. Uh, but as long as I've got my Corona and Red Bull. The, the, uh, not Corona, me uh, me Red Bull and me Cuervo Gold. Then I'm all, I'm all right. I'm serviceable. Um, and of course, I, I have all that at room temperature. I don't. You know, it's, it's the same with the beers. You know, I usually usually have five or six beers. Not because I'm going to drink six beers, but just in case somebody wanders in a fancies one. Um, and I don't have those refrigerated either. So we have refrigerated beers, but, but that's for everybody else. So my stuff's all at room temperature. So if we if we go to a gig and we're working with a promoter we haven't worked with before, or a promoter who's a bit dippy and hasn't hasn't read the rider pro- properly, which is most of them, um, then they put they've put it all in the fridge then somebody like Niall or Frenchie has to run them under hot water for <laughs> ten minutes to warm them back up again. Because I won't drink them out the fridge because they're too cold and they send me pipes into shock.
1: Right. So it's not that you're being overly fussy then. There's a, there's a, there's a genuine reason why.
0: Oh, God, yeah. yeah if, uh, you know, cold drinks out the fridge, you're really not good for the vocal cords. You know, like anything, any better than they are for your winkle on a cold day in the sea. You know, there's imagine what that does to your genitalia, and then extrapolate that to your vocal cords. It's a similar deal, I think. So, right, it's not ideal. Uh,
1: I, I, I didn't get what you were going at then. I assumed that you had problems with a cold drink, but actually. When it comes to genitalia, you can drink something cold and we're fine, which is good because I'm exactly the same. But it's the sea that you have a that, – that's the <laughs> challenge.
0: It's the sea. It's the challenge. All <laughs> right. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you, have you any idea what I'm saying? I'm no, I am just exactly what saying. Cult, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Because, stuff has a to tendency be fair, to shrink parts of your body. Yeah, and, and if, you,
1: if you go out for a run on a cold day, it's exactly the same. Right. What? So I know exactly what you're saying. Right.
0: So you find you're not um, you're not in great form in the operatic sense when you get back either. I shouldn't think. You've nothing to sing about. Well, no. At that point in time, <laughs> <laughs> if if
1: we if you know red of face and looking deeply unimpressive everywhere else, it's not a good look. Right. No. But, but, uh, should we start? Should we should we put a should we put a an intro in just for the put
0: an intro in. For the sheer ruddy hell of yeah, it. Yeah, go on then.
1: All right. Okay. Hello and welcome to chapter 160 of the Corona Diaries.
0: Who are you kidding? We've been at it for Who ages. Who are you kidding? We've been at
1: it. By the way, yes. by the way, you did a great little Marillion Monthly. What? When? Well, you, you went, you were, Lucy interviewed Oh, you. in the roof with the stage clothes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, was that all right? Uh, it was. It was fine. Even, it was absolutely fine. I, I thoroughly enjoyed I it. I even emailed her after that saying, "I'm sorry, I was probably shit," and she and she emailed back and said, "No, you weren't. It was fine." So yeah, you were fine. Oh. You were fine.
1: Uh, what was particularly lovely was when you talked a little bit about the podcast, hmm. and she made a point of saying the Corona <laughs> Diaries. No, bless her. In a very measured yeah. way, yes, didn't she?
0: Yes, I won't. Tell you again.
1: <laughs> it was a bit like that. I felt like her eyes were piercing into the back of my skull.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's her job, isn't it? It's her job to try and... Yes, and she's right. We, we accept she's right. We accept she's right. It's just that we're, we're belligerent schoolboys and we'll... Um, we we'll do. We're, we're defying her for the sake of it, aren't we? Not because... We it. are
1: defying her for the sake of yeah. it. Yeah, there's, there is a bit of it's that. There's a, a bit of that.
0: Um, pathetic.
1: Pathetic. Of of the things we need to get onto this week, and, we, and I'm very conscious we need to get back onto talking about fear, hmm. uh, and we will have at least a little bit of fear before we go. But <laughs> before we start, are you ready for Leicester? All roads now lead
0: to Leicester, don't they? L-E-S hyphen T-A-H. Um, that's the badger that's the chap am i ready um readier than i was yesterday when i when i had to go back to bed i've not been well since i got back from montreal but i'm definitely well and truly on the mend which is handy it's like my body knows you know that it has to be in 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 a good place by showtime uh so when it's got a bit of time off it goes right now's the time to get ill you know that tends to happen with people doesn't it yes. it's when you relax um but i'm hopefully through this cold and feeling slightly under and you know pretty low energy and all of that um and jet lag of course so i'll be i'll i'll be good yeah yeah i'm very ready for Leicester. Mm. And when does Leicester start for you? Is it all Saturday? Do you just do you
1: toddle over for Sound Jack? Because you're not that far away, are you?
0: No, I'll go Friday night. Uh, all right, okay. I'll go Friday night so that I'm there and I wake up there and you know have a have a sort of slow morning and then toddle over. Um, that we tend we tend to do that. It's a sort of a bit of an unwritten rule um, for everyone except my Jack. That um, that you go the day before just in case anything goes wrong. You know, your car breaks down, or the trains cancelled, or the flights are cancelled, or whatever. We we have a sort of unwritten rule that you always arrive in the show town the day before the show if you possibly can. So so I'll be there. I, th- I think I'm going to pick up young vibes from school on um, Friday. Evening and then drive straight to Leicester. So we'll be there from you know mid mid to late evening Friday. Get checked in, get settled. Then a uh, bit bit of a bit of a slow morning and then off to sound check for Saturday. Okay. Um, on the subject of
1: Leicester, uh, and obviously you've, it's the venue you've played a number of times before, so it's not like you know uh, it's, there's no big surprises there, are there really?
0: Uh, is it a venue you like? I really like it, yeah. I like everything about De Montfort Hall. Um, we, as you know, we've, as you've just said, we've played it a few times. What's great about it is just about everything from from the artist's point of view. Um, the backstage area is really nice and clean and there's pictures of the Beatles on the wall from when they played it, which makes you go, ooh, ooh, hallowed ground. Um there's um, there's an upright piano in one of the dressing rooms in case you want to go and have a uh, have a tinkle and remember something. Although we do normally put one of our own in as well, um, and it's just clean and nice. The people on the stage door are lovely and you know always pleased to see you and couldn't be more helpful. The, the staff and the gig are fantastic. Um, this is just the artist's point of view. Um, the it's a good stage tends to sound good on stage and looking out from the stage into the room the room's great so everything about it really i i I approve of
1: and it's a full circle venue for you isn't it in terms of the fact that you played it on the
0: season's end tour that was the first time i went there yeah and i think i was so kind of toured out and shot away that I I barely remember it. I I, I barely remember doing that. And, and the the Beeb shot it as well, didn't they? For um, it, it it's um it's a BBC. It was Rocksteady. I think it might have been Channel Four. Oh, was it Channel Four? Yeah, but it was it was filmed, and um, I just I remember being oh, it's a gig in a park or something. That was all I could. Do. That's all I could remember, and it's not—it's not really in a park, is it? But, but backstage no. is a piece of grass. There's, there's some grassy area behind. I isn't thought there? I was in a park as they shovelled me out of the Range Rover or whatever kind of life I was living back then, and um, and that's all I could remember. Uh, and when we came back to to, to do the first uh, of the of the Marillion weekends there, that was the first time the gig really got into my brain. Um, and I've really enjoyed going there every time.
1: For a lot of us, it's a uh, it's and it, cause it's interesting you say you don't remember very much the first time round because of course it was on telly, then it was on the Stoke Road to Ipanema. Um, was it? Uh, you know, DVD. Though I guess for many of us, first time round it wasn't DVD. It was video. Mm. Um, We'll have had it on a video cassette first yeah, time yeah. Right. So, for a lot of people, that was a gig they they ended up knowing very well, right? Because back in the day, at that point, there was one album, yeah, and there was that DVD.
0: I guess that was it, yeah. And I'm going um, back to Stoke Crow. As yes, well in October. For, uh,
1: yes, and I believe that, that we've done the Purple's have done quite nicely out of a third
0: gig, haven't they? I put a third one in especially because I, I think it was Andy Meany. Was it him? Uh, somebody left a message on the on the on the Patreon saying, "I didn't know anything about this, and you didn't announce it. It's already sold out." And because uh. oh, oh. the reason I didn't announce it was because I I saw it had sold out before I'd I'd had chance. We did put it in. We did put it in. It was just Sold in out between recording then. and yeah. publishing. So I stuck a third day in. Uh, I didn't want to do three in a row. He'd, he'd already offered me the Wednesday. And um, I didn't want to do three on the bounce. So I said, well, he doesn't normally do Thursdays for the live music. So I said, well, if you'd consider doing the Thursdays, the Thursday for me, we, you know, we could do that as well. And he came back and said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. So I don't know if that's sold out now, but it I don't know how that's progressing. But
1: um, I, I think, I, I can't believe it hasn't.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard. But um, if you're curious, give the Crooked Bill at Stoke Row a jingle. They, they seem to be doing it all over the phone. It must be chaos. Mm. There. I don't know how he's got... It must be chaos. Uh, he's got time to do anything else. But yeah. um, yes... Yes, ba- I'm going back to the Crooked Billet for old times. Back to sake. the
1: Crooked Billet. It's all going in circles, mm. which is nice. Nice. Well, I'm really, really, really looking forward to Leicester. Really looking so forward to out. So yeah. Uh yeah. Weather's going to be good. Loads going on. There's a, we mentioned last time, there's a purple picnic. There is. Um but I'm not going to give any more details. I will publish details of the Purple Picnic Purple, Picnic on Patreon, the three Ps. C- put, um, so there'll be put, peux, put, a post. In the next day or so, there'll be a post, and you'll, you'll get all the details. Uh, and I need to shout out to uh, Sarah Keen, who's done a lot of the work in organising. So uh, big up to Sarah for everything she's done. And, yes, I'll, I'll bang something on Patreon b- before you hear this, essentially. So, yes. Right. Fear question. One fear question. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, we haven't got time to get into too much detail. We will get into fear in a lot more detail Probably in the coming weeks. September. And once the weekends are out of the way, <laughs> and it's a bit more settled. But anyway, here's my fear question. Well, this time
0: right? next year, we'll get into it. Right. This time hey, next year, we'll be on fear. Go
1: um, And we're running out of diary. <laughs> um, here's my fear question, and I'm going to go ver- right to the beginning of the album.
0: Right.
1: Okay, so the very, 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 very first section yeah Yeah. of El Dorado Mm. the acoustic English wall Garden bit yes two questions first question always going to be at the beginning or did it did it occur retrospectively Mm. as a setup for the song
0: Mm. well it did I think it was the last piece of music that was written and recorded um On the album, even though it's the first thing you hear. Um, The... What became El Dorado um, was taken from a jam that we'd be doing uh, on a certain day and it started with... Come to break the heavy weather Come to silence all the singing words Um... Yeah, so a bit of like that, um, and um, I'll pitch shift it up a bit <laughs> if you want in the edit. <laughs> I'll then I'll sound like a chipmunk when I'm talking.
1: <laughs> but anyway,
0: Chip or Dale? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: uh, I'm trying to think. I'm
1: trying
0: to think. Um, Sorry, so we've got that and. I was, you know, I was, I was muttering at the back all the, all the time that the song was coming together saying, you can't start a song with come to break the heavy weather. What's come to break the heavy weather? You know, I've got some more words, Mike. And Mike was going, well, I like it like that. I'd be ashamed to put anything else. I'm going, but it doesn't make any sense. And you know, well, it makes sense to me. I go, well, yeah, you're a scouser. Anything makes sense to you, Mike. <laughs> um, So, so we were batting that back and forth, Um, and I'd uh, written—I can't remember—I one one evening in the garden, I'd written that little poem, you know, about the capricious dance of lavenders and cabbage whites, and. made more than 3D and all of that it was was one of those evenings where the sun was low and coming in sideways and the garden just looked like a dream um, and I'd probably had a couple of gins which probably helped um, and so I'd got that little thing and I thought oh, it'd be nice to put that, maybe maybe add this as a preamble to the song but I've got these words, you know, the thunder approaches, the heavy sign of the monster come to break the heavy weather. And that's what's coming to break the heavy weather. It's the monster. And um, we haven't got a monster, Mike. What are we going to do? Um. So quite late on when we were at Real World, um, Steve had got this... He's usually got a device of some description and he'd got this thing that you could screw onto an acoustic guitar that created drones. Mm. Um, I think you fastened it to a synthesizer or something and it was creating these, these drones at the same time as he was playing and he was experimenting with it. And uh, I, I think I think it was I think I it was my idea to say, well, let me see if I can try this little preamble poem across that. And let's see if that'll work. Um, so we did that more or less live. I think I think we did did a couple of takes um, for the guitar and the voice, and uh, and slung it on the front, and then. Then across Mark's synth intro, before that lovely "meow," um, yeah. the 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 incredible synth sound it winds, you know. Um, I thought, well, uh, well, let me at least whisper it so that it's there because it's it's relevant lyrically, and otherwise to me it'll make no sense. So. Uh, that's why I whispered. The old uh, the thunder approaches the heavy saying of the monster. Come to break the heavy weather. Then mm. I was happy because it all made sense to me lyrically. Mike was happy because I hadn't messed with his with his groove, uh, and that's how that happened. But it, the, the 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 last two things the way I remember it at least, the last two things to really exist were um, elements of white paper which were, you know, worked on and nailed together in real world and and the intro of El Dorado. I, and I'm pleased you've said that in
1: one respect because it that's how it – Sounds awful to say. Oh, it felt like an afterthought. I didn't mean it like that. It felt like something that, by its very nature, would have have to have come together when the rest already existed. Yeah, that that made sense. Yes. Although otherwise, that was a remarkable piece of writing, to 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 to, to in that finished form.
0: Yeah, you know that song, I Only Have Eyes For You? The stars yeah. out tonight, I don't know if it's crazy or bright. It's like a prequel, doesn't it? This must be some kind of real love, I can't see anyone but you. And that right. couldn't have existed before the song, could it? So they that must have been added as a prequel. So as a prequel. I think, I think prequels tend to be afterthoughts you know the let's set this up with this you know yeah. let's introduce it with this and so you've usually got the main body before you do something like that so then the second question
1: mm-hmm. um, because I've again been fortunate enough to sit with you and, uh, and spend the evening and sat in your garden is it, you're you've got kind of a walled garden kind of vibe going on, haven't you?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a, a high um, dry stone wall about six feet high on the left hand edge of my garden. Um, so it was just written from you know, just writing what I was seeing and feeling. Um, made more three D yeah and, in England, although nothing really changes, the weather always does, Um, was just a little bit of a dig at, you know, an introductory flavour of the fact that, that I was going to be addressing England and Englishness later on. Which we will get to. But
1: before we go on that, finishing that ghost and go some diary, I want to just say capricious is a fantastic word.
0: Capricious is a fantastic word.
1: So on the back of being, capricious being a great word, which it is,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: we're going to go for quite a long stretch of diary. So um, we, we're going to go, you're, you're um, heading to Chile, I believe.
0: Oh, am I now? I'm off down to mm. Chile. Oh, yes, oh, well so I- we're
1: going to go for a, a, and it's a slightly longer piece, so we can include the gig itself, right? Um, oh. The main gig itself in in Santiago. So, um, I'll leave that with you. Okay, here it comes.
0: Monday, 15th of October, Buenos Aires. Spent all day on a plane. Headphones on, giggling away at Carl Pilkington with an idiot abroad too. Made it into the hotel room 5.04 around 6 o'clock and decided I'd go and try and find a place to eat. In reception around 7, I bumped into Paolo who immediately took over and insisted on organising me a restaurant "'and a car to take me there. "'When you get there, give the owner this,' he said, "'thrusting an envelope into my hand. "'It's tickets for your show tomorrow. "'There could have been anything in it. "'We haven't been lucky with the weather on this tour. "'It's pissing it down like a monsoon here in Buenos Aires. "'Ate steak and sausages alone "'and watched the rain out of the window. "'At one point I watched a guy going through the bins across the street.' It looked like it was his job to rake around and pull out the plastics, probably for recycling. As he did so, his children goofed around in the pouring rain with a couple of broken umbrellas. They'd probably found those in the bins somewhere. It was a moving sight. Kids having to go to work with their dad at night when they really should have been sleeping. Running around in the pouring rain and going through the bins. Their mother is probably working too. Lynetta, Young Vibes and I have a lucky life. Again, I was humming Joe Walsh's life's been good to me so far. Returned to my hotel room with the other half of the excellent bottle of red I'd been given in the restaurant see previous Joe Walsh quote and watched the telly. Tuesday, 16th of October Buenos Aires gig. For me, this was to be the surprise of the tour. Last time we played here, it was a sit-down theatre. All I could see from the stage was rich people, who get to sit at the front in the expensive seats, checking each other out. I'll never forget this one guy who looked me straight in the eye halfway through the show and made an exaggerated yawn. He'd probably had the ticket given him by the promoter or by some sponsoring bank or tobacco company. That was to be the only show in my life I ever said... Thank you and good night before the end of the set. Understandably, I wasn't looking forward to this one. Couldn't have been more wrong. The venue was a stand-upper, a rock club, so the hardcore were down the front. The audience were very excited and kept singing like football supporters in between songs. I told them I felt like Lionel Messi. That went down well. Before the show, Paolo came in the dressing room and made a heartfelt speech about how much the band's music means to him and what a pleasure it has been. He said that even if we come back here someday with another promoter than him, we will always have a friend in him and he will be there to give advice if we need it. Very sweet of him. During the show he was in the pit, dancing and grinning. I have never known this from a promoter. We played No One Can at his request and I dedicated it to him from the stage. A bit strange to dedicate that one to a bloke. The crowd sang the choruses with the same intensity as Easter and Sugar Mice. Lovely. Strange to look out from the stage and see all these hairy rockers lost in this romantic poppy love song. We're onto something in this continent. I hope we can take advantage of the way our music resonates with South Americans, get the records into the shops, a little promotion, and we could really build things up here. I'm a bit too jaded to imagine it'll happen, though. The music business, like the TV business, seems to be sewn up by a handful of people. Wednesday, 17th of October, Buenos Aires to Santiago, Chile went down to breakfast and mused with Phil Brown at the presence of a number of books of erotic photography in the breakfast room. We took one down, which appeared to be a history of erotica from around the world, and browsed. A bit early in the morning for all that, all I can say is that those Japanese need therapy. Dolls with bandages and octopus tentacles inserted into their orifices. The last time I saw anything like that, I'd found it on the shelf while living in a house belonging to an anaesthetist in England. Somewhat worrying. Another memorable image was an old black-and-white photo of a really fat, ugly, Turkish-looking woman sat on a chair, pulling her buttocks apart to reveal her anus. Serves me right for looking, I suppose. I decided against the scrambled eggs at that point and stuck to coffee. We checked out and were driven the short distance back to the airport by the huge river plate, which looks like the sea, so wide that the other bank isn't visible owing to the curvature of the earth. Hung around for an hour checking all our equipment in and then sat in a cafe with Phil and Ian for a while. Can't remember the flight so it must have been alright, or I was asleep. In fact, I spent a lot of it writing this diary, hence the remark in the Rio paragraph, Scribbling away, looking down and across at the glacier topped Andes. When we landed, we made our way to the baggage hall, and I found myself signing photographs for the airport staff. We must be quite well known here, then. We picked up bags, and they all had to be re scanned. Suddenly, one of the contact lenses I was wearing in my right eye decided to bend itself double. Very uncomfortable. There didn't appear to be any toilets in this area of the airport, so I decided I'd go ahead into the arrivals hall and find a loo while everybody else waited for the scanners to finish their work. As I emerged through the sliding glass doors, a cheer went up and about a dozen fans were all waiting there wanting photographs and autographs. I tried to smile as my right eye winked desperately at the doubled-up contact lens contained beneath the lid. Eventually I was set free and rushed to the gents where I found a mirror and removed the offending lens. I unfolded it and put it back, but it still felt strange. Taking it out again, I realised it had broken in half, and half of it was still in my eye. I never managed to get it out, and I'm convinced as I sit here on the flight up to Caracas via Lima that four days later bits of it are still in there somewhere. We were taken then by van out of town and along the freeway for about an hour to San Francisco de Montezal. That is, as far as I can see, a place only notable for the huge hotel stroke casino complex where we will stay for the coming days. We'll actually play here in a room at the casino on Friday night. But first, on Thursday, we'll play in Santiago whilst staying here. Paolo must have done a deal. It's a nice hotel, so no one's complaining. I was given a key for room 119 and made my way down two floors. Receptions on the third. The entire place is built surrounded by the foothills of the Andes and the view outside would be wonderful were it not for the casino and car parks. We were advised that there's free dinner in the restaurant at 8.30. It was eight so there was half an hour to freshen up and plug the technology in. Back home it's midnight, so I thought I'd leave Lynetta alone and Skype home in the morning. Dinner turned out to be across the car park in the casino. We entered through double wooden doors and a long thick carpet into a room full of one-armed bandits. Blackpool in Chile, basically. The place was an onslaught to the senses, music coming from the ceiling whirring bandits, bells ringing, and from another room, something that sounded like a TV game show. It was a TV game show. We entered a room where a kind of cabaret band played short snatches of well-known songs while a little guy in a suit babbled in Spanish for all he was worth. Every time he finished a sentence with a flourish, the band punctuated it with a chat show type snatch of music or a roll of the drums. Cigarette smoke filled the air as Werner, our local promoter's rep, led us to a table and asked for menus. That was enough for me. I only needed a couple of tabby cats on my knee for this vision of hell to be complete. I was gone in a flash. Managed to get a chicken burger in the no-smoking area next door and later returned to game show land to say goodnight to Niall, who had only just arrived. The equipment truck got lost sat with the crew for 15 minutes, watching the little guy babbling, the band doing their Jonathan Ross thing, and two palpably bored and disinterested girls in sparkly dresses shuffling from one foot to the other in time to the beat. It reminded me of Sale of the Century, if you're old enough to remember it, a TV game show from the 70s compared by Nicholas Parsons, live from Norwich, who is still alive as I write this, comparing Just a Minute on Radio 4. I turned around and made eye contact with a guy wearing a headset and staring at a laptop screen, possibly the TV programme director or editor, and although he said nothing, the weary look said, I know, it's rubbish, but it's a living. Returned to my room and watched Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci in one of those Las Vegas gangster Goodfellas-type movies. Very, very apt here. Thursday, 18th of October. Santiago, Chile. Woke up and Skyped home. All well, it's one o'clock in the afternoon there and they're having lunch before going down to breakfast. A big room, floor-to-ceiling glass walls offering great views of the green hills outside. Getting milk, which was neither skimmed nor hot, proved complicated. Almost no one here speaks English and my Spanish is uh, limited to muy bien and mañana. Had muesli and coffee, which was not nice, and returned to my room. Left at two for Santiago. The drive took under an hour and it was a lovely sunny day with a wide open blue sky. I gazed at the snow-covered Andes in the high distance as we travelled along the freeway. Pete T said this is the Pan-American highway and that you can drive all the way to Canada. Don't know if he dreamt it. The venue is a big old arena, tucked away somewhere in the back streets of Santiago. The seats are laid out in an amphitheatre style, so despite its size, the crowd will feel close to me tonight. Should be good if someone shows up. Soundcheck proceeded well after the obligatory one-hour wait while Mark gets his hired keyboards working. It's a nice venue, quite funky, but with a good vibe and lots of history. We ate backstage in a brick-built room full of funky lamps and old photographs on the wall of shows from way back. Ladies in Billie Holiday dresses, bands in suits who look like the shadows, circuses with trapeze in the high roof folie bergere style topless dancers, and even dolphins leaping out of tanks. There was nowhere to go, no hotel, no tour bus, just a dressing room, tastefully decorated with chaise-longs. Unfortunately, only two chaise, and Pete and Mark had bagged them. Ruthers was sleeping, like a drugged bear, in the only other dressing room. I'm not going in there. So I sat on the floor for some hours until 8pm, when we were due downstairs for the meet and greet, grip and grin, shake and fake, or whatever you choose to call them. I subscribe to the nice-to-see-you-to-see-you-nice philosophy. God bless Bruce Forsyth. By showtime, the place looked busy. Don't know if we're sold out, but I think there's 4,000 in there. The show was amazing. I felt good and in a good place, I was feeling the love from the people, and banging it back at them, magnified sevenfold. By the end of the show, I could see each and every person in the room was on their feet, arms raised. Wonderful. Went downstairs for the after show, and was photographed a lot by fans and media folk, before returning upstairs and into the van for the return journey to San Francisco de Motazal and the Casino Hotel arrived at 2am and ran a bath, and luxuriated in the bubbles with a cup of tea till 3am.
1: And we're back! Yay! <laughs> and, and that's quite, quite, a, quite a long diary reading there. Sorry to put you through that, but we needed to, we, we needed to get the gig in at the end. yes. Um, I've only got a couple of questions uh, because by now um, this episode's already going on. Um, but the first one is: you're wandering through the airport, uh, and this is where, like a thing of beauty, we're going to come back round to contact lenses. And your contact lens, you thought it folded over in your eye.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I think it had. They do that now and again. They're they're they're, they're quite soft and jelly-like, as long as they're kept moist. If uh, if if you don't keep them moist and just leave them in the air, they go crispy. Um, but you're not supposed, according to my optician who was later appalled, you're not supposed to fly while wearing them. So flying to Chile whilst wearing them, uh, which is a good sort of, God knows how long, 10, 14 hours or something absurd... Um, is, is a massive no-no, but I didn't know this. So I'd got them in the whole time, and I don't know if it's the... It's probably the pressure and all of that malarkey, but um, by the time we were landing at Santiago Airport, one of them had kind of folded in half and gone around the back. Um now, Lynetta says that's theoretically impossible. Not them folding in half, but them going round the back. Uh, but they do feel like they go round the back. Um, you know, get stuck to your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I can see clearly now the brain has gone. Um, so um, this had happened. And when it does fall in half or go round the back or both, It's really painful. It's like somebody's just stuck a proper foreign body in your eye and you know what that feels like. Um, So I couldn't get this thing out. I couldn't find it to remove it and I'm digging about in my eyeballs and I was all bloodshot and in agony. But I was getting off a plane at the same time and then then you've got to go through, um, you know, all the rigmarole of getting into a foreign country and the visas and the immigration and in and out of the gents to, to try and stare in a mirror to see if i could get at this thing which i couldn't um and then we finally came through into arrivals and i, and I was on a mission as soon as i get into arrivals i got to find a the toilet with a mirror and try and dig this thing out of my eye before you know, so painful and sure enough there was about 12 people there all going hey you're here can I have your autograph can I have a picture with you and I'm going not yet give me five minutes I'm in agony so uh, I managed to get to the gents and rub at my eye and faff about uh, until this thing came back out again Um, and put it back in again the right way around uh, um, before I could get back to arrivals to to, um, sign everybody's stuff and have my picture taken. But God knows what I looked like because I must have had one red eye.
1: The way you described it was kind of unworldly twitch or something going on, just must have been... (laughs) Fantastic to finally get to meet you in the flesh, you know, so close and suddenly, and then try not to stare at half of your face, which is either falling away with a twitch or it looks like you're about to have a stroke.
0: Yes. Well, that's how I felt. And, and all, yeah, whilst, whilst crying from one eye only the whole time, I must crying have been, I must have looked only? like that baddie in the Casino Royale. Oh, yes, the dabbing the black. Yeah, yeah. I was him at that point.
1: Were you crying? Yes, but from one eye only. <laughs>
0: yes, a complex character. He's yeah, on it the one hand, he's only a little bit. <laughs> he's very emotional, isn't he? But and yet at the same time, very goofy. <laughs>
1: Very emotional, yet very serious. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing before we finish is and, and and I was I was deciding whether to mention this or not, but I can I just can't not mention oh. it. The the stash of er, er you know, books of erotic photography you came across in a breakfast room. That's not right, is it?
0: No, it didn't feel right at the time. It was only a little room. Uh it was the sort of boutique hotel. It was quite a nice hotel, I think, as I recall. But Yeah, we can't. Well, only in South America, really. I think you've got to have a colossal libido to be interested in erotic photographs, you know, over breakfast. But I think there are a good deal of South American gentlemen... for whom um, eroticism starts as they drift into consciousness <laughs> in the morning <laughs> and carries on unabated till they pass out last thing at night. But um, being being English, it it takes me a couple of hours to get going. You know, um, I can't I can't be doing with it all going on over breakfast. No, can't so think that's about anything odd. like that till you've had your sausage. Exactly. I think it was saying to Phil Brown, I said, Have you seen these books over here? Who wants that over breakfast? And he was going, Bloody hell, like a thump. You know, that's not right, is it? I'm going, No, I don't think it's right, Phil Franklin. Where's I Phil
1: from again? <laughs> I
0: <don't> know, somewhere up <laughs> <that> north. <laughs> but he's always, more bloody hell, left. Get brruh, brruh, brruh. No, he's from uh, Whitehaven. So he's not He's not a Yorkshireman. He's, no, but he's he not. He, he's a serious northerner. He's a serious Northerner. Yeah. And he has a very quiet speaking voice. And I can never, as I'm getting older and I'm getting a bit deafer, I can never hear what he's on about. Uh, and he speaks, for, for someone who spends his entire life in a whirlwind of, of unbelievable sound pressure levels, he speaks incredibly quietly. I don't know if he's <laughs>
1: quiet or if he's softly spoken. I think yeah. the, I think the, the two are slightly different. No, I think he is, he's definitely softly spoken.
0: Well, yeah, but in my head that equates to quiet, quiet quietness, and, I, and I, I'm always craning my head forward to to listen to him. But he has got he has got a very northern sort of accent. Whitehaven. It's White where Haven. the uh, nuclear power station is. Um, Maybe that's why it's soft spoken. It's years of radiation poisoning, or oh, something.
1: Well, glowing in the dark is handy for a, for a, you <laughs> for know, a sound man. You can always see what's going on on the desk. Yeah, you
0: can. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So the next time, the next time we'll see each other uh, will be will be
0: Leicester. Yes so folks do keep an eye out for the for the soft green glow behind the mixing desk <laughs> um, that is Phil Brown um yeah I can you... I, I can't wait and enjoy the picnic I will try and, I'll try and and poke my nose in for a, a cucumber sarnie but I do mm. like coronation chicken
1: I definitely think there'll be a coronation chicken there
0: yeah don't go to a lot of trouble cuz then if I don't turn up you'll be indignant uh, and I don't want that.
1: Right. So a kind of thrown-together coronation chicken sandwich.
0: Yes, something I can munch on um, whilst briefly passing.
1: Maybe <laughs> what we can do is bring the ingredients for a coronation chicken sandwich, and then if you arrive, you can make your own. You can bang one
0: together, yeah, cracking. Marks, Let's do that, then. Marks and Spencer's. Oh, In which
1: case, have a good week. I'll see you at Leicester. Thank you. I'll see you
0: soon. Well, a few more newbies. Thank you so much, Louise Aird. Christoph Seidsecker, or Seasucker. Emil Janssen. Gordon Razy. Thank you, Helen Contractor. Cheers, Peter Salter. Someone who just calls themselves Lad. Someone I've never heard of called Lucy Jordan.